Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host of the Modern Conservative Podcast, and my name is Jonathan Harvey, but my friends call me John. First of all, let me say it's a great day in this country. The Supreme Court has blocked the Joe Biden Nazi mandate, and uh, but unfortunately, the Nazis in Salt Lake City upheld their own. Um. But we'll keep swinging at it and eventually we'll get it changed because this is going to be absolutely ridiculous because what they don't realize, mandates create bullies. And I'm really not the one to be bullied with because uh, I actually fight back. Um, So let's hopefully something happens next Tuesday. There is another chance that it might get changed. But who knows with these people, because some people like the control that they have that we as a community and as a state need to take that control from them. Those are my few words. And uh, and uh, I want to say to you guys, once again, thanks for being here. And uh, you are the reason why I do this, because obviously it's not for the money, um, because I don't monetize. I don't ask for donation. We just do what we do here. Um, today, I have a guest. Actually, she's a friend of mine. She works with me with the Blexit, my Blexit organization here in Utah. Her name is uh, Kara Bartholomew. And uh, Kara, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I moved here from Washington State after looking at Washington State and thinking, oh, somebody needs to light a match, throw it and walk away. Really? Um, <laughs> it's, it's really quite a disaster. <laughs> and um, I'm someone who knows a lot about disasters. I grew up in the foster system. I aged out of foster care. I am half black. Um, I lived in 18 foster homes in nine years. So you can imagine kind of- Hold on, hold on, hold on. Go ahead, yeah. I've known you for a little bit now. Did you say 18? 18 foster homes in nine years. Holy hello. Yeah, I put myself into foster care when I was just eight years old. How do you do that? Um, My mother was the epitome of toxic- She would call me slave girl, made me refer to her as your majesty. Um, And she and my stepfather were grooming me for prostitution. So one day I decided, do I live this way or Mm -hmm. do I put myself in foster care? And just because I'd seen the movie Annie, I was like, well, foster care all the way. (laughs) So I I went down to the local police station and um, they weren't very interested until they realized who my mother was. And because my mother was a major drug dealer, they, um, Looked, they were interested in my story and they pulled me in a back room and they um, looked at all of my bruises and my welts. And um, that's kind of where it started. And because they had that, that information, they were able to go to my mother's home and arrest her and send her to prison. And then I lived in 18 homes. Now, how was that? I mean, how was that travel through the foster system? Is it, is it as bad as it seems to be? So it's both, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you. one thing is, is that this was the 80s and the 90s. And so I'm just going to be blunt here. Please. Um, little mixed girls were not the token that they are often today. Right. So um, there weren't people just 
vying for you. So you'd be in a home for two weeks. You'd come home, you'd, you'd come home from school and they'd be like, oh, you're moving to the next home. One thing is, is they didn't want you to get attached to people. Um, I lived in homes with fully Caucasian families. I lived in Hispanic homes um, and I lived in white homes. And, and no I lived, black homes. I lived in one black home. And that really? was where I learned what racism really was. Really? Um, you know, if people just hear my voice and they don't actually see my face, a lot of people don't assume that I am ethnic of any kind. They think I'm white. Um, well, I got that same problem sometimes. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm full Negro. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, you're so articulate. You're like, as opposed to what? <laughs> yeah. You don't sound black when they first initially meet you. I mean, I've done deals and business meetings with people that you get along great on the phone. Then you walk into the office for the first time. They look at like, oh, and I can see it in her eyes. Oh, yes. He's black. Yes. And we can see that. We know it. And we automatically know what they're thinking, especially when they have never met us before. Right. I call it the aha moment. Like mm-hmm. when people say, oh, I'm colorblind. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm not. Even. <laughs> I, I, I see everybody. I know everybody's color of skin. I know everybody's color of eyes. The question is whether or not it matters. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, too, because I've noticed the same thing with people. And they say, I'm colorblind. No, you're not. No, you're not. Quit lying. Right. You know, I'm black. You can tell if she's mixed. You know, if he's Asian or Hispanic, you know, this It's how you treat people is what matter. You can Absolutely. say, I know you're black, but I don't care. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. And, totally- and, you know, the woke will say, well, well, it's racist to not care. And I would say it's racist to care. If you are a race essentialist where the first thing that matters to you, whether you are white, black, Asian, Hispanic, whatever, then you're the racist. If you literally care so much about race, that's on you. That's not on me. Amen, sister. Yes, because she's black. That's why I said it. She's a sister. (laughs) (laughs) But but back to the foster system, though. Yeah. So the black family is the one that guided you towards what racism is not necessarily what it really is but whites are against blacks and blacks are against white because Absolutely. Whites are so they would say to me oh you know those friends that you have well the second that somebody came against them they they'd hang a noose up in the front yard and hang you in it so wow. i mean they really hated white people and it was just like but black people can't be prejudiced though carrie <laughs> we can't be prejudiced remember Okay. I mean, this is one of the issues that I have with, especially like being here in Utah and having all of these, um, these programs that are about microaggressions Mm -hmm. and who can offend who, Mm -hmm. but they only are minorities can be offended. They're never that a minority can offend. And that's just wrong. Absolutely. In my experience, the least racist people are those hardworking middle Americans just working their butts off, trying to create something for themselves. They are too busy to care. Can you do the job? Great. Then we'll hire you. You know, that is my experience. My experience with the white liberal is another hmm. story. My Tell me about that. Yeah, sure. My Tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> so in Washington, I mean, we can go all the way back to, yes, and people will think I'm a traitor and call me an Uncle Tom and all that thing, but I never voted for Barack Obama. Amen. And the reason I didn't vote for him is because I felt from the very beginning 
at first I had a lot of hope. I thought, oh my gosh, here's a biracial person. You can bring a lot of unity to people. And I felt that he really needed to push, 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 push his own race card. And he, and he allowed other people to do it when he could have just said, no, we're not about that. We're all Americans. And he could have done that from the very beginning. Now I'm a conservative because when I was 18 years or just about to turn 18, I asked a teacher, I said, I don't know anything about politics. I don't have any family to tell me what to do. What party should I join? And she looked at me and she goes, that's easy. You're, you're black and you're poor. You're a Democrat. (laughs) That's the training. (laughs) And I just thought, I don't want to be poor forever. I just thought I, that's, that's not, that's not the world I want. I want more for myself. If I didn't want more for myself, then I would have continued on as so many children do. I would have stayed in the, in the toxic relationship that was my mother and my stepfather, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but I wanted more for myself at the age of eight. So, you know, oh, go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No. So I, this idea that you can't want more. Mm-hmm. is something that white liberals oftentimes will put on you. We'll put, oh, well, you're oppressed, but but I'm not oppressed. I've I've overcome far more <laughs> than, than you can imagine. Can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> you're the success story. Do you, do you know what the ACEs scale is? I do. Okay. So if your listeners don't know, it's okay. um it's the adverse childhood effects of trauma scale. The highest that you could have been, now I think it's gone up, but the highest that you could have been was 10 when I took the test. I'm a nine on that scale. The only thing that never happened to me is someone was not murdered in front of me. Every other thing that you can imagine and worse, I'm sure, has happened to me. Mm. Doesn't make me a lifelong victim. Because my choices are what change that. So I get people who will say to me, don't you even care about the black plight? And I'm like, well, what I care about is the victor plight. I care about helping people overcome Mm-hmm. whatever that means. Like, I, I don't think that you have to be super wealthy or whatever else to be successful. You just need to live a happy, productive life on your own terms, in my opinion, to be. Amen. Amen. And I completely agree with you. Agree with you. There's, you know, <clears throat> people always, from my experience and my, in my opinion, people always judge life successes by how much money you have. Right not by their accomplishments. And now not all accomplishments need to be money-based or material-based. And so it just could be, you know, you grew up in a poor neighborhood, you got out of that neighborhood, you have a great job, you put food on your table and a roof over your head. So for some people, that's success from where they come from. Absolutely. And, And a lot of people get, you know, get so comfortable in being, how do I say this and not sound so Uncle Tomish? (laughs) Um, a lot of people are used to being like what we call the ghetto. Right. And they're not taught to what true success is. See, when you're in the, when you live in the ghetto and a lot of people in their mind, success is about having a bunch of money. Right. Exactly. It's not about getting a great education, working your way up that ladder and being, having a nice car that you pay for legally, have a nice home that you own, not rent. Um, and there's nothing wrong with renting. Don't get me wrong. I'm talking right. in the aspect of being s- some people's form of success. 
um, you know, raising their children to be good citizens. But, John, what do you think, you know, when they screen systemic racism, systemic racism, racism, is there anything more systemic than the white teachers teaching the other educators, the younger educators that come up, that you are oppressed, that you can never become more than this because of all of the oppression? When you start elementary, when you start kindergarten, Mm -hmm. a little tiny kindergartner, I work in a first grade classroom. Mm -hmm. When you tell these kids are full. They, they don't know that there's anything in the world they can't do. You know, I might have somebody who's not even three feet tall yet who wants to be the next basketball star. <laughs> you know, They have no idea until you tell them that they can't. And to me, that is systemic racism. How many years have people been telling our people specifically, you can't do that. Or even like, the sheer racism of acting surprised when we do do it. You know, and it, it, here's what's funny or interesting to me. You know, in our culture, the black culture, blacks, a lot of times, especially in certain parts of the country, would say the white man is the devil, the, you know, the white man, you know, you know, is the master, da, 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 da. Talk bad about the white man. But when it comes to learning about racism, Guess who they learn it from? Right. The white man. Right. And now my show isn't anti-white at all. Right. But this is a commonality in our community and in our country. And so when I hear white people talk, black people talk about how the white whites, the white Republicans or conservatives are racist, but yet they take their information and their training from the Democratic Party, who's done more to blacks than any other human being on this planet outside of Africa. I think the worst thing that they've done is is turned people against the 1776 project. Yep. I mean, there, there are beautiful stories that are real, true stories about overcoming after slavery, about teaching how African-Americans were the most literate people after slavery because for the first time in their life, they were able to do something that was forbidden to them before. But do we get to hear those stories? No, no. We only, only, only get to hear about Martin Luther King's assassination and Rosa Parks. And that's That's all I hear. hear. That's it. And I was, I just, as a matter of fact, I just posted TikTok on Facebook of a black woman asked who was Adolf Hitler. Oh, wow. She said, uh, I don't know. Is he a rapper? Oh my gosh. She says, it sounds like a cool name. He must be pretty good. Wow. And it was like, and there was a brother and a white dude on the side going like, really? Wow. Yeah. You put this on TikTok? Yeah. And, and so sometimes, so my point is sometimes people in our community and in our cultural don't know what the stereotype is. No, they don't. And they play the stereotype. Yes. And the thing is, is that they, they, they didn't have to, and that was stolen from them. And it so was. when people, when you go back to the whole, the person asking me, do I even care about the black plight? I want to see every single person succeed. And I believe that there are solutions to helping every person succeed. Um, one story that I like to tell last year, my son, who is second generation mixed race. So he's a quarter black. <clears throat> he was told in his class, well, first we moved here because in Seattle, he was told to identify as his oppressed side. And reject his oppressive side. 
<laughs> talk about social and emotional learning, telling a child to hate three quarters of themselves. And, there, there's something wrong with that. And here's, here's a dynamic that most people don't understand either. We always hear people talk about the nuclear black family, the mm-hmm. nuclear black family. Well, here's the thing in Utah. There's not necessary. There's nothing. There's nothing in Utah that's a 100 percent nuclear black family, because in Utah. Eight times out of 10, half that family is white. Yeah. The mom is going to be white. True. And the the dad, it it could be vice versa. But in Utah, most of the woman is white and the the dad is black. Right. So I have a problem when they just promote nuclear black families. I promote families. Right. Well, I have a problem when they when they say that all of us are oppressed. Oh. I mean, we, we know, we know Gary Thompson. We know he's a doctor and that. successful and very successful. So we know, we know these things, you know, Lucy's a professor, get, you're a teacher. Yeah. And so these kids are supposed to come in and they're supposed to just automatically assume that we have it worse off than the meth kids. Seriously. We have it worse off than the, um, the kids whose parents are in prison. Really? You know, it's not just only black children who have parents in prison or only Mexican. And when they want to address race, I think it would be brilliant if they would address race from every single direction. That'll never happen, though. Then, oh, no, because then you lose your leverage. You need that a class of people that are constantly angry. You need kind of this revolutionary energy. And you ask people, you know, OK, so you want reparations. Can I ask you then, where does it end? Where is it enough Will you will never, ever complain again about the fact that your people were stolen from another country, where you will never complain that they didn't get the GI Bill, where you will never complain? Where does it end? Because the thing is, is that when you teach that victimhood is virtuous, there's no reason, there's no incentive to ever let that go. And that's the thing that they figured out, and by, by they, I mean the Democrat Party figured out a long time ago, keep us victims by just like they did back in the day when they used to say, okay, well, these slaves are out in the field and these ones are in the house and we're going to treat these ones in the house a little bit better. Yeah. They were still slaves. You're exactly right. And and then what they had done because they separated the two, the, the house, what were they called back in the house Negroes. Right. And then the field Negroes, yes. you know, and then there were the born Negroes. Yes. You create three different class of Negroes who think that they're not slaves, but in actuality they are. The house nigger was, excuse my French, Negro. (laughs) The house Negro was the uppity one. Right. He got the respect from the master. He got to live in the same house with the master. He gets to eat the master's scraps before the other slaves did. So he thought he was proper. And at times he thought he was better than the field Negro or the born Negro. And so- the Democrats have learned, separate them, create right. different classes, create animosity, and they'll fight amongst themselves because envy. And that's why the black neighborhood, the black community, something I've always disliked about the, you know, our people is that we seem to be haters. Right. But we were taught to when you were taught from the very beginning, like, like, okay, we have, we have more problems with gun violence than other people. This is a fact. 
And I'm not just talking about towards or from the police. I'm talking about in the neighborhood themselves. But when you teach two-year-olds to go bang, 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 shoot the pig, they're not ever, they're, they're from the age of two, they are taught to have a constant state to be, be in a constant state of resentment. You're taught to be in a constant state of, oh, that person's looking at me wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and now we're naming it. Now we're calling it the microaggression. And so now people who don't even know that they're doing the wrong thing, you know, somebody could be staring at you because they think you're just the hottest thing in the world. It happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you don't you don't know why. But but now in Utah's schools, in Davis County specifically, mm-hmm. they're pushing microaggressions. And if a kid is guilty of microaggressions, they have to spend an day of in-school suspension where they sit at a computer and the computer teaches them to stop being racist. What? And (laughs) I'm not joking. And these, these programs that are stopping, teaching them to stop being racist are completely partisan programs and their version, their anti-racism is the most racist garbage I've ever heard. We're hearing people, you know, our schools are being told, oh, read Robin D'Angelo. If you want to be an ally, read Robin D'Angelo. Well, Robin D'Angelo says, I have no answers for biracial families. And yet Utah is just sucking that up. And, oh, that's great advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're pushing segregation. You know, <laughs> my daughter goes to a school. I won't mention its name, but we're going to have a conversation. Actually, next week, because I walk by a classroom. Usually when I take my daughter to my nine-year-old school, I walk into a classroom, give her a kiss, take her clothes, coat off, hang her coat up for her, you know, take her backpack, take a Chromebook out. She goes inside her classroom, blah, blah, blah. But I was walking out the other day, and I looked to my left in the classroom, and there's a wall of black books. Yeah. They're all black books. I completely disagree with that. I want my child to learn the same exact thing as every white child without a lot of relevance relevance to her color. Right. Oh, so this is culturally responsive teaching. And the way that I got out of foster care, because the thing is, is um, what I did was aged out of foster care. That means you become 18? You turn 18, nobody adopts you, you don't go home, you're on your own. And luckily for me, I had, I had fallen in love with a very old writer named William Shakespeare. Oh, okay. And because I really, really enjoyed um, Shakespeare, I was able to get a scholarship to go to a fine arts college. But isn't that kind of racist though? learn from a white man like that? And that's exactly the thing is that today that is exactly what they would say. Culturally responsive teaching means, I mean, they're literally saying black people respond best by listening to rap music when they're studying. I don't. I'm like, I'm like, honestly, I turn on classical music and I can promise you none of the, I don't have a better word for it. None of the white trash foster homes that I grew up in were playing classical music. (laughs) So I didn't learn it from them. I. So I just am like, I, I, I don't, these, these ideas that we must be part of a collective 
they're not even, they're, they're anti-American ideas. And that's what it is. We must be part of a collective. If you are black, you must fit this box, this box, this box, mm-hmm. and this box. Mm-hmm. If you are gay, you must fit this box, this box, this box, and this box. And when mm-hmm. you stray out of that box, you become public enemy number one. So when you said that, I laughed when you said, um, not to sound like Uncle Tom, but I'm like, embrace it. They call <laughs> no. us whatever they hey. do. Hey, look, if me speaking well or speaking like I'm not going to, and if, you know, how do I say this? If I'm not speaking Ebonics. Right. Right. And I sound like I have an accent because often when I go back home, they say, oh, you all talking all proper. I said, no, that's called English. Right. <laughs> that's English. And so, you know, so they judge me back home. And this is my own, my own family. They'll right. judge me and say, you know, oh, you think you're better than that? I said, why? Because I speak English? Really? Right. Really? Because and I don't I believe get, in racism? Yep. And I, and I get whitewashed. And oh, this. so this is what my white liberal friends, and mind you, because my background is theater, I'm friends with a lot of peop- people from a little, a little school called Evergreen State College. Mm. <laughs> Evergreen mm, is, I've heard Evergreen of Evergreen. Evergreen, right? Yep, I've heard of Evergreen. <laughs> and so when you have your little... um yeah we're all going to hear about it soon so um <laughs> all of our schools are going to turn into it so when when people are telling you going all the way back to the whole i didn't vote for obama mm-hmm. i would have people who are like i don't think i can talk to you i can't respect you anymore you are betraying your own race and these were white people telling me this and i'm like i don't vote based on race just like i don't vote based on gender i vote based on one thing every single time are you going to teach a man to fish or are you going to give him the fish? It's always my simple, simple rule. I want solutions. But the Democrat Party will tell you they won't teach you how to fish. They'll tell you they're going to give you the fish. Exactly. But the problem is the fish never shows up. Or the fish is like one stinking can of tuna to feed your entire family. You never get the whole fish with the Democrats. They give you just enough to vote for you to vote for them, and then they disappear. Right. So so they're going to give you the other fragment at the next election. Right. And yeah, blacks well, like, keep biting into that. Right? What's look that? At, look at COVID relief. What did people get? I mean... Was it like was it two thousand dollars supposedly? To First like- one was twelve hundred, and the second time under Biden it was two thousand. Yeah, and so those were supposed to tide people over. I'm sorry, no, you can make. I mean, especially now, you can make that much working at McDonald's. But the so- problem is, it, and you're absolutely right. I completely agree with you. But the problem was the youngsters nowadays. Their thoughts is, you know what? Why go to work when I can get this at? At home now, right? Exactly. Which destroyed our economy. Which is there's they're doing the same damn thing right now because you know it's about buying off these people that think they're a victim and they think that because they're getting UVI, well, the government wants to give you universal income, right? So they think that is the correct way to live in a capitalistic society. No, if I was the president of the state, that's the way you find your ass in a homeless shelter because I'm not going to give you anything. You're going to earn it. Now, you blacks, you're not going to earn it any easier than the whites. Right. You're going to be on the same playing field. Because well, and I wonder, do you think they're trying to, and maybe this gets a little bit conspiracy, I'm not trying to, but I just can't help but wonder, are they trying to create a race war? When they say, oh, because you're black, you are going to get this much more COVID relief, or you are going to get... um 
more advanced healthcare, or you're, you're going to get um, your health needs met before a white person. I'm like, cause you are seeding the seed of resentment in people who've never had that kind of resentment before. You, you know, yes, they are. Because here's my example. You know, they're wanting to give the illegals $450,000. Yeah, I heard this one. What do you think is going to happen? The proverbial shit's going to hit the fan. It or is- reparations. Go with reparations, okay? Well, you- so you're supposed to find the people who are direct descendants of slaves. Guess what? That is not every Black person. Yeah. And so when your neighbor gets their check and you don't, you know, I, all I can think of is the animal farm. They want us to be useful idiots. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I found that was really shocking that I recently learned about was a condition called post-traumatic slave syndrome, which literally, I'm not joking. It's exactly what it sounds like. People cannot progress in life because of the trauma done to their ancestors. 200 years ago. Are you freaking kidding? But then you think about it and you talk to parents about what's going on in our schools and they're already, oh, I'm more cynical than that. We couldn't possibly change anything. Nothing will happen. It's the same thing. So they've... Go They've ahead. defeated them. That they, they, people have have uh, adopted a mentality of defeatism, and I and I think that they spent two hundred years doing it to African Americans, and I think they've spent the last twenty doing it to um, middle class white people, so that people feel that they can't fight back. And black people feel the worst thing I've ever heard is when somebody, the same person who said you have no compassion for the black plight told me how dare you try to convince us that we have free will you know this, you know let's go back to a little bit back sure. to uh and then we'll move on to a different topic let's go but one of my problems with, with our, our culture culture is that we lack a a lot of us lack education Sure. It's true history. I mean, listen, English to me is a necessary evil. Mathematics is a necessary evil, but history <laughs> is an absolute necessity in our culture because it, unless you know your history, you won't know your future. Right. Because you'll never know anything about your true history to know. Who's done what with you and who's done what to you? And so Republicans, you know, back in the day, you know, in 18, in 1854, when the Republican Party was founded. I often hear people say, you know, and I say, who's going to pay reparations? They say, they're damn Republicans. I said, let me educate you for a second. <laughs> Republicans didn't own slaves. It was your damn Democrats. Because the Democrats created the Ku Klux Klan to kill people like the Republicans who were against slavery. Because at the time, slavery was um, slaves were considered farm equipment, property, okay. equated to a cow, a goat, sheep. They were farm equipment. And the Democrats didn't want to come off of it. So they created the Ku Klux Klan to keep the people that were against slavery in check. 18, in 1854, when the Republican Party was founded, they were protesting slavery, 
commerce and staying part of the union. Come 1863, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. And from that point on, the first 23 con congressmen were black. Excuse me, let me back up. The first 23 black congressmen, because somebody emailed me and said, hey, blah, blah, blah. The first 23 black congressmen were black. The first black senator was a Republican. Did I say that right? Um, the so first 23 said... congressmen were Republicans there you that go. were black. Yes. The first black senator was a Republican as well. And from that point on, blacks had always been conservative. Now, you hear the Democrats say, well, there's this, there was this great switch. And I say to them, okay, let's assume there's a great, great switch between 1863 and, and uh, 1956. I said, it was the Democrat Party that was putting the dogs on the people in, 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 the, in the South, in Birmingham. It was the Democrats. F, um, Hoover sent the FBI in against blacks that were Democrats and against um, whites that were Democrats. So it was the Democrats in the 60s that were doing all the atrocious things to the blacks. And by the way, it was the Republican Party who voted the civil rights bill into law by percentage. Yeah. So tell me where the a Democrat Party has done something good for the black American. I think the other thing is, is that well, we man. have this narrative that we went from slavery to prison. And I didn't know until two years ago about Black Wall Street. Right. I remember the first, my first affluent Black friend. And we, she was like, oh, can you take me home to my house in Bellevue? And I was like, Bellevue? And I'm ashamed, but this is the truth. I was like, is your, is your dad a famous athlete or a singer? <laughs> because that's literally what I thought. And that is what most people think. If African-Americans are successful, then somebody's in the entertainment industry, mm -hmm. you know, and the reality is, is that we do have doctors and lawyers and educators and social workers and everything that everyone else has. And we have forever. There were top black colleges. And one of the most heartbreaking thing right now is that Howard university is getting rid of its literature department because their black authors, excuse me, their black authors were not woke enough. When you're getting rid of Langston Hughes, are you kidding me? me? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so you just sit there and you go, so much of our history was hidden. And I would love it. I have asked multiple times locally. I've said, okay, I see that you're having a diversity, equity, and inclusion board, which I think is an absolute freaking disaster. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to have it, I would like to be on this board. I'm one of the only minorities in my little tiny town and, um, and I'm fair-minded. So I'd like to be on this board. And they completely ignore me, even in, even in our little tiny town. They is completely that here? Yes, it is. Our... Our school board rep is so corrupt that he ran as a conservative, but he had a Biden-Harris sign in his front yard. And I understand that some people hate the orange man, whatever. I don't care. Right. Um, but when you support CRT, you are anti-American, in my opinion. That's Me? what I want to talk to you next about, CRT. Yeah.
Sure. You know, CRT is something that, well, a lot of people don't realize CRT is actually nothing new. Right. It's actually was tried in the 1930s in Germany. Right. And uh, it didn't go so well. You know, they had another one called the modern theory. And uh, which didn't go so well. So they've been trying to do this for years. Right. But, and then what their teachers started doing was, you know, they said, you know, what? we're not going to say anything about it. We're just going to teach the kids what we want to teach them. And we won't give it a title. Right. Well, when the Democrats got power in 2020, they said, you know what, let's try to make this legal. Put it in the school system. Make it a mandate. Let's give it a name, critical race theory. And then we can take it to legislator, legislative branches and make it a law. See, well, a lot of people think CRT is new. It's actually nothing new, right. you know. Or they think it's only presented in law schools, which by praxis, it's not. It is implemented in every school this year, especially starting in January. And they're not going to stop. We could talk about CRT. The states have to develop a curriculum that can be monitored. Mm-hmm. The teachers get in these classrooms and just say what the hell they want because nobody monitors them. There's no teacher monitor saying, hey, you can't say that. Hey, right. that's not true according to history. You know, there's nobody doing that. You know, when you're in these classes and you get these, and it's mostly young white teachers right. that are teaching critical race. Oh, no, not necessarily young. They're like well, okay. Karen age. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they mean they're mostly white women yes. who think they're saving our culture yes. by telling a lie. Yes. And and then you actually you actually hurting the culture. Look, I've always said black people will do well if we're left to sink or swim. Right. We will survive. But right. don't come training them to bullshit and tell them they are if they, without my help, you're gonna sink. Right. Because so, then you just you get back. This is this has been a huge problem for me. I um I have interviewed over 40 people who have aged out of foster care mm-hmm. and just tried to figure out and make kind of beauty out of the ashes of their stories. Mm-hmm. And um since well, quite frankly, since George Floyd, victimhood has become the most popular, the most, you know, oh I am a hero because I am a victim. And so trying to get stories out of these people, like I had to just sort of put it on the back burner because overcoming has not been, been on the list. It's more of what can I get? What can I get for the pain that I've been through? Mm -hmm. I've had people say, Oh, I want to talk to you, but if you're going to, if you're going to use your black voice to talk to me, I want to pay you. And I'm just like, I am not a commodity. (laughs) I'm like, I just want to have a human conversation here. So I would not feel like a human in that, in that circumstance. And I just, it's, it's very interesting to see these people who do have a white savior complex. I believe our governor has a white savior complex. I abs- I, you're absolutely right. You are I, absolutely I right. I sit there going, did you really just put a Martin Luther King license plate out? Wow. Was that is pandering. Been- that's pandering. Absolutely. That is, is absolute pandering. It is the cheapest. I just sit there going, this is just stupid. What are you doing? And I'm like, there's, there's groups like ours that these people could talk to and understand that we are actually humans. You know, I, I feel like the movement that we're going through right now between CRT and SEL is the new civil rights movement. 
And every single person is just every person, not just black people, but every single person is fighting for their right to just be seen as human. I've seen a young woman who was, um, she was elected the president of the gay straight Alliance club at her high school. And, um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, go ahead. Is there somewhere in there that I'm missing a gay straight? Gay straight Alliance. So basically what they're trying to do is turn kids into strong allies for the gay community, but they want these in our high schools and in our middle schools, clubs that are really pushing the pronouns, really pushing acceptance of transgenderism, which gender dysmorphia is real. It shouldn't be a trend. And I know that could probably get this podcast in trouble, but it shouldn't be a trend. And it's- No, I can't get in trouble. This is okay. my on this. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's, it's a trend for our kids and I'm very worried about it because in Washington, these kids didn't even know what they were doing. And they would say, I'm trans. And he'd say, oh, okay, I don't know how, you can be whatever you want to be, but I think you should make that mistake when your body is fully developed and you've mm-hmm. really made it. Because to me, it's more like, like the goth of our day, you know, like, like, except we didn't, you can, you can't wipe off makeup and just be and uh go back to quote unquote normal but you they know want to push go ahead no go ahead go ahead go ahead they I'll want sit my to push. so the gay straight alliance um this young woman mm-hmm. was kicked out because she also happens to be conservative so she's oh. conservative identifies as christian and is a lesbian and so because of those other two values they called her a fake lesbian Okay. Regardless of how you feel about, because I know a lot of African-Americans, like it's, it's really funny when they decided that they wanted to call black to change it to B L A Q. It was like you stupid people. You have no idea how conservative at root black values can be. You know, I'm like, this is stupid thing same thing with latinx right like you talk to hispanic people and they're like this is dumb no, no I'm latina or latino i think i th- i really think in uh 2022 we're gonna do pretty good as republicans and so. conservatives i think we're gonna do pretty good i think joe biden has created enough republicans now we can uh withstand the cheating a little bit because you know i've spoken to blacks um you've you've met marcus you remember marcus that was at yes Uh uh-huh you know he's he and i were talking last night he had called me last night and uh we were talking marcus is a great guy Mm -hmm. great guy he was in the middle he was he called himself purple Mm -hmm. and uh he was listening to my podcast. Now, I don't know if you listened to my podcast when I was talking about bigotry. If you've heard that one up, people, if you haven't heard it, go listen to it. Because it caused a lot of stir up around the country. And he had listened to that podcast, he said, three, four times. He was listening to it in the shower. <laughs> and like I said, he's purple. But he's got a great, he has a great heart. Great heart. So we were talking last night about the Democrat Party. And he's beginning to see how the Democrats is talk, 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 talk. And when he got affiliated with us, because what happened was he heard my podcast and he knew Jamie, so he called Jamie. He said, hey, who's that dude? I need to meet him, blah, 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 blah. We met, and he's been with me ever since. 
But he's learning that Republicans and conservatives, those that he knows that he's affiliated with, with us, you and I, and all of us, we do what we say we're going to do. And we know what we're talking about because he's a scientist. Not only does he he listen, he studies Mm -hmm. and go get the facts for himself, which is what I want everybody to do. That's how people become conservative. Learn the facts. Because when you realize how bad you're getting screwed around and play with, and you're just a a pawn in this game of politics, it kind of pisses you off. Now, you had mentioned Barack Obama. I, too, did not vote for Barack Obama. Because far as I, he was a young senator, no experience to be running the world's biggest company, corporation, which this is what this is. We're a capitalist society. We're the world's biggest corporation. Well, you got, you know, you've got China, <laughs> so you can call it whatever you want. But I said, I told people, the only reason people vote for Barack Obama is because he's black. True that. That's a problem. Because at the end of the day, he's got to run. It's yeah, he's still got to run the country. Right. You put a man in power, make him the the world's wealth. Well, the world's give a man, excuse me, give him absolute power up to a point. He can screw some things up. Well, they basically think of him as a god. You know, like they really do. do. There there are statues of him as a god. And I don't think anybody who came after him really had a chance because everybody convinced themselves that because they elected a black president, which he was biracial, by the way, but because they. So, so, so. So because they elected this man that they were not racist. That's what they convinced themselves of. In actuality, they are racist because you voted for that man because of race. Exactly. Extremely. And stupid people. The, exactly. Stupid, stupid people. people. And this is the hardest thing because I want to be a compassionate person. And people are like, why can't you just give people the benefit of the doubt? And I'm like, if look at this. If they if people show you what they are about and you're still giving them a, the benefit of the doubt after that, well, then you are stupid. So there's a point where you just go, you've proven what you are. It's very clear what you are, what you say, what you'll do, all of these things. You've made it clear. If I keep following you, then I'm the stupid one, and I don't want to be stupid. And the thing is, people need to understand, too, that it's not what you said that makes you a racist. It's something that you actually done. Right. It's what you actually did. You voted for a man based on color because you thought it would make you look good as a white person to vote for him a man of color and so you all had that they all had that guilt complex hey this is how we can make up for slavery (laughs) jesus no you make up by slavery by treating us as equals right by treating our children as equals by not putting on our children black white mixed whatever by not putting on them the guilt of their fathers that is long since passed that we have overcome. Because for the most part, we have overcome it. I, every single day when I go into my class, I get hugs from 32 little people and they love me. And, you know, there's not a single part of them that's like, ew, you're not like us. Because mm-hmm. children don't think that way until we teach them to. Now we want to teach them to be racist and we want them to be, to be uh, identitarians 
and we want to teach them to follow authority and never question it. And that's what the mask mandate is all about. Oh yeah, you know, the mask keeps our kids training while they brainwash them. Yeah, and, and the thing is, this is what pisses me off. Speaking of that subject, what pisses me off about the mask mandate? When you put a mask on your face and the box on it says "does not stop viral transmission," and they wear the damn thing thinking it's going to stop viral viral transmission, I don't understand these people. I mean, they've said it multiple times, right? It's about compliance. If we're complying like this, and then our children, our middle and our high schoolers are learning about digital literacy that is telling them to doubt misinformation, you know, and misinformation is definitely not coming from CNN, NPR, or the BBC. Mm -hmm. Misinformation is only coming from conservative networks. Fox News mainly. Exactly. Or or deeper down the rabbit uh, hole, right? Oh, you're but, talking about news, Newsmax and those other organizations. The thing, the thing is, um, no, I'm going as far as like Alex Jones, right? Oh, you went way down there. <laughs> way down that rabbit hole. You went right? way down there. But here's the thing. He, he at least I knew that, um, you know, Rittenhouse didn't kill three black men. Most of my friends who consider themselves highly educated and are liberal thought that he killed three black men. That's okay, funny. because that's what Joy <laughs> Reid told him to told them to think, and that's what Don Lemon told them to think. And so now they're going to tell our kids what to think with a mask on. The masks do make kids less. My kids who wear masks in class are less likely to contribute to class. That is a fact. They simply they're just quieter kids. You know, um, and so we want them, we want them compliant while we teach them that stuff. And then while we slap on, oh, you need to use pronouns and you need to, and querying our children as far as young, young kids, they're doing all of this and it's all about compliance and they're rushing it so quickly that to me, I don't have any other, the only words that I, I feel like really fit it are that it's a coup. Mm-hmm. I do feel like it is a coup, um, our education right now. When people say, oh, well, it wasn't like this. I was teaching I was teaching second steps last year and it wasn't like this. Okay, that wasn't after this election now, was it? <laughs> you know, I just, I'm just sick and tired of the races. I mean, look, it's an election year coming up, midterms. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> Get ready because we're going to hear every white man's a racist. You know, Republican. every Republican, yeah, every Republican white man is. Ra- oh, let's get back to that. Let's back up for a second. Why aren't white Democrat men called racist? Should we go down to Joe Biden's Joe Biden? Oh, my gosh. That man says the most horrible, horrible racist things. Oh, dude, I mean, tell me something, Karen. Tell me something. How is it blacks cannot understand this? How is it they're supporting Joe Biden, who who publicly said stuff that's absolutely racist? I don't care what year you heard it in. It comes out on the other side is racist. How is it we don't hear that? Or they don't hear that, I should say. You know, I really honestly can't explain it except for brainwashing. 
except that if you're constantly told that these sides are good, let me give you an example from just little kids in school. I think mm-hmm. this is in Pennsylvania, but I'm not sure you'd have to check it. Okay. Um, but there's Black Lives Matter at school is a curriculum. And in this curriculum, not choking, in this curriculum, you use a red pen for everything that is anti-justice. And you circle everything that is for justice with a blue pen. Which equates to the Democrat Party or the Republican Party. Exactly. And so we are teaching our children that small. They're having George Floyd Day at school in some of our elementary schools. It's crazy how blacks will protest a Negro who's an absolute thug, got shot, got killed, or choked out, whatever you want to call it, choked out, heart attack, you know, whatever you want to call it. I just don't call it murder. But they'll stand up for that thug. But when and in Chicago, there's a thug killed every single night or every other night in Chicago. But you hear nothing about it. Nobody's protesting because it's a black man that shot him. Well, let's think about Clarence Thomas. Mm. The um, Amazon took out the Clar- Clarence Thomas documentary. They did. Clarence did Thomas became the Supreme Court justice, and they took it off because it doesn't fit their narrative. It offends too many people. That Cory Bush person was like, "I would rather have a statue of this person than Clarence Thomas." And I'm not sure about that person. My guess is it was probably someone like Mr. Floyd. Um, so I, if it doesn't fit their narrative, they don't want it heard. Um, and I believe that they are simply cruel. They are cruel to our children. And when people tell me going on, circling, <laughs> circling back, mm-hmm. when they tell me, um, that I don't care about the black people. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. I care deeply, deeply about the black people and their plight and what they've been through. And I want it to stop. But the only way it stops is if they get off the freaking plantation. And they don't understand. That's why we do what we do. They don't yeah. understand that. That's why we do what we do. Among other things, it's about our community. It's, it's truly about our race in, in a lot of cases, because we know our races are getting completely, completely getting inundated with a bunch of lies from the left. And if nobody stops it and no one tries to stop it, no one tries to bring them to the other side and say, hey, look, the white man is not your devil. Sometimes it may be your internal soul that's right. your devil. It may Free be bitterness. within you. Your bitterness, we know, I mean, there's so many studies that show that if a person is bitter, they don't physically have as good of health. They definitely Mm -hmm. don't mentally have as good of health. Right now, our country is in a mental health crisis like nothing we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And they're proud of it. And that's the crazy part. They don't just put their pronouns, but they put, you know, uh, manic depressant on like their pronouns. Um, here's something for you. I was calling I, a few weeks ago. I was calling a healthcare provider and she asked me, do you, do you mind if I call you, uh, he, him? And I literally said to her, what the hell else will you call me? She, she says, well, we have to ask this question. And I said, and we had a conversation. This girl had a conversation about three, four minutes. I said, they really ask you guys to say that. 
Yeah. So I, and then I said to us, I tell you what, while you f- you're you're crossing your dots and crossing your T's and filling in the dots, also let them know I said I'm a Negro too. She oh. says, I don't think I can say that. I said, Well, they don't ask me if I'm a he or him. Because if I sound like a he or him, assume I am. Because if it's a transgender, he's trying to be a he as well. Right. Yeah. He's trying to be a he as well. So just roll with it. Don't ask the question. Just do your damn job and don't ask personal questions. The problem is, is that they lose, they could lose their job if they don't. And my philosophy is live not by lies. If I lose my job, I lose my job. You know, um, I will... I will learn how to garden and sell my fruit on the street, (laughs) whatever it is that you have to do to live, not by lies, because this is the way that people became, um, like the Nazis didn't become the Nazis overnight. No, they They wanted, they wanted to be, they wanted to be comfortable. They wanted to keep their comfort. And that's what I see. And because we are in Utah, I just want to address that's what I see in Utah. I see so many people who are comfortable. This is the land of, what do they say? All is well in Zion. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants to disrupt anything. And meanwhile, our kids are being sacrificed. You know, about the Capitol the other night, I told told, uh, Senator uh, Stuart Adams, all we want you to do is protect our kids and I'm in military. We'll handle the rest from here. Yeah. We'll handle the rest. But do yeah. not, do not cater to stupidity when it comes to our children and our military. But Carrie, listen, I'm running, I'm not, we're running short on time right now, and I, I've got about a minute left. Before we go, I want you to tell people how they can get in touch with you, hear your message. If you have a podcast or social media, let them all know. And uh, let's see, can we get you found? Yeah, sure. So um, my I have two YouTube channels. One is Age Out, Rise Up. That's where I interview former fosters um, and also just talk about life skills of those who are trying to come up out of rock bottom. And my other one is Martin's Daughter, where I'm interviewing and speaking about everything from CRT and SEL to interviewing those people who are actually in the civil rights movement, people who've come here from other countries, um that's it (laughs) okay well well carrie i want to say i appreciate having you on today um when you get off the phone send me your message send me a message with all your info on and we'll post it on our website as well sounds great so people can get in touch i want to appreciate you you know i'll see you tomorrow right yes yeah and then um until then i want to tell my people have a great afternoon, a great weekend. My name is John Harvey. I'm the host of the Modern Conservative Podcast. Take care. Love y'all.